Can we all just reach out to the Lord for a few more minutes, church? God, I love you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. God, I praise you, Lord, for your blessings, God. Lord, and for your spirit that we feel in this house tonight, God. Lord, God, we ask, Lord, that you would move in the remainder of this service, God, and have your way, God, and move in a mighty way, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm happy for the opportunity to stand up here again tonight and deliver what I feel like God has laid on my heart tonight. I don't have some divine revelation or some earth-shattering message to deliver tonight, but I do have a word of encouragement and a word to just kind of remind you of something that we probably all take for granted. You know, sometimes it's, it's good to be reminded about the things that, that maybe we push to the side and we kind of forget about or we take for granted. And uh, if you'll allow me just a few minutes to kind of lay a, lay a foundation and uh, before I make my point tonight. You know, all throughout history, man has always searched for great riches and wealth. You can see it through the early Bible days and through history. And if you'll give me just a few minutes, I'll bore you with a few history facts to make my point tonight. You know, the search for wealth and riches had a lot to do with the shaping of the country that we call home. You know, Christopher Columbus was searching for a route to the spices to the Far East, which was a very lucrative thing back in that day. And he made a wrong turn and he landed off the East Coast somewhere. And uh, it led to the exploration of the great country we live in. Hernando de Soto was searching for gold and silver, and that led him to explore the area of the south that we live in now. And many of the towns and cities in the south bear names that bear record to the fact that he was there. But the event that really struck my mind and, and helps to make the point that I want to make tonight, it happened in the years between 1848 and 1855. On a January day, January 28, 24, 1848, a man named James W. Marshall, a carpenter from New Jersey, he was working for a Mr. Sutter in a small town just northeast of San Francisco, California, and he noticed a shiny metal that was laying in the water, and he picked it up, and he knew immediately that he'd found gold. Well, they tried to keep the news quiet, for a long time, but a loudmouth in the city let the news get out. And when the news finally reached the East Coast, it started something that was known as the California Gold Rush, and where we get the idea and the name of the San Francisco 49ers, because it was not until 1849 that word actually reached the East Coast. Thousands of prospectors flocked to, the Californ to California with dreams of making their fortune. But the sad truth of the matter is that most of those people went home with very little than they started out with. Yeah. You know, history says that when they got there, that many of the nuggets could be found just laying on the ground. They didn't have to work very hard for them. They just walked around along the rivers and around the mountains and just actually picked up nuggets of gold. Still other people that wanted to have a little bit more, they got a little, they got a little more involved in it. 
And they found themselves knee-deep in the streams and the rivers, panning for gold. And they gleaned just a little bit more than the people that was just happy with picking up nuggets off the top of the ground. But those that, that, that really, really hit the mother load, if you will, those that reaped the most benefit from this gold rush in California are those who dared to dig deep. Those who dared to put in the hours to make the time to get up every morning and work the mines and dig into the mountains where the gold was at. Those are the people who really reaped the benefits of the California gold rush. Now, my thought is, and I had this thought for a while, the Word of God is much like a gold mine. We leave it laying on, our sh on the shelf at home a lot of times and we don't realize the treasure that's inside that book. You know, and, and a lot of times, you know, most all of us have got a smartphone and I get a word of the day. And a lot of times I find myself satisfied with picking up this little nugget every day. You know, I get that word of the day and I'm like, hey, that's great, that fits in. Thank you, God, for that little, bit of, that little word from you. That little nugget that I can put in my pocket, that I can hang on to. And I'm sure that many of us grew up with the little plastic thing that looked like a loaf of bread sitting on our, on our kitchen table. And it said, Our Daily Bread on it. And every day you'd go by and you'd lift one out. And you'd read the scripture and you'd stick it in the back again. And you'd say, Thank you, Lord, for that little, that little nugget of truth from you. You know, and some of us, we may even... We may even dig a little deeper in the Word of God and we may have a reading program. We've got the ambition we're going to read the Bible through in a year. And so we read a few chapters every day and just dig a little deeper and dig a little deeper. But really and truly, you'll never know the true truth and you'll never realize the, the riches and the wealth from the Word of God until you immerse yourself in the Word of God. Until you dare to dig a little bit deeper and allow the Holy Ghost and prayer to illuminate the things that you will find there. You know, the psalmist David, he realized what he had in the Word of God when he was writing in Psalms. He was just a lowly shepherd who didn't have anything. If you know anything about shepherds, they were some of the, the poorest of the poor. They stank. They didn't take showers and baths and they had to sleep with the sheep. But you know, the Psalmist David in Psalms 119 and 72, he said, Thy law in my mouth is better than thousands in gold and silver. He didn't have anything. He was out there living with the sheep. But he realized that if he had the Word of God, he had more than any money could buy. He realized that what he had was, was greater than anything. And Psalms 19 and 7 and 10, he wrote again, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. You know, the Word of God something that we take for granted. Something that we just maybe just read out of a habit. Is the most precious possession other than the Holy Ghost that we have. Because it is the very words of God that will speak to our hearts. And it is something that we shouldn't take lightly. And it's something that we should endeavor to study. And something that we should just immerse ourselves in.
You know, and Paul, he admonishes us in 2 Timothy 2.15. He said, Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And what he's saying is, do your best and cut the word of God straight. In other words, he's saying, dig in. Get in there, read it. Understand what you're reading because you'll get understanding from what you're reading. And I also found this little poem, and I may have read it here before, but I, I think it bears reading again. And it really, really, it kind of encompasses, it just tells exactly what the Bible is and what all you can get out of the Bible. It said, The Holy Bible, this book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its precepts are binding, its history is true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be saved, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map and the Christian's charter. Here paradise is restored, heaven is opened, and the gates of hell are closed. Christ is its grand subject, our good is its design, and the glory of God is its end. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It will reward heat the greatest labor and condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. It is the book of books, the book of life, the book of God, the Bible, the revelation of God to man. This book will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from this book. Reading and confessing this book will terrify the devil, stupefy the rebellious, mystify the world, pacify the critics, ratify the covenant, edify the church, magnify the word, and glorify the Lord. We have a, much, we have a very big treasure in the word of God. Something that we take, we take for granted here in this country. But I would admonish you tonight to dig down a little bit deeper. Spend a little more time in the Word of God. And you'll be surprised at what you will glean from the pages of God's Holy Word. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. This is... The end of a season, you know, where in December we'll be starting a new year. A lot of people start their new year with plans for a Bible reading. How many of you got a Bible reading plan going? How many of you are on, on the day you're supposed to be on? Yeah, why don't you make a renewed effort this year, amen, to listen. You want to know how important the Word of God is to God? When John got ready to tell the story of the incarnation, he began this way. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And 14 verses later, he said, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This Word is more than just an old book. 
that contains old stories. This is the revelation of the mighty God. This is his word. And it will forevermore change your life if you'll read it. I told the students in my Purpose Institute class, you know, for goodness gracious sakes, don't buy the book and not read it. We, we have text for our class for a reason. If, if you're going to spend the money it takes to acquire the text, read it. How many Bibles do you have in your home? Come on now. We're Christian, right? Christ followers. This ought to be a very central part of your life. I taught this morning in Romans chapter 6. Finish the chapter up. Come to the last verse of Romans chapter 6. In the whole context of the chapter, Paul is answering the question of whether or not a believer should have sin in their life. That's the context of the chapter. The chapter is written to believers. And you'll, I, I know there's, there's most of the people that are in here this evening were here this morning. I'm not going to bore you by reteaching the whole lesson. But when we come to that last verse, one of the most quoted verses there is about the Bible, amen, that, that last verse that tells us the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I've heard that scripture my whole life. But I never heard it applied within the context that it was used until today. It wasn't written to the lost. It was written to the church. It was written to believers it isn't a proof text that you need to repent and be saved. It's a proof text that if you're a Christian and you let sin in your life, you will reap the wages of sin, which is death. But if you'll serve God, you'll reap the gift of God, which is eternal life. There, I was telling my wife on the way home, Yeah, I've, I've taught Romans now. I've taught through the book like I'm teaching through it three or four, th at least three previous occasions. Now, I'm, I may be doing a more in-depth study this time than I did on the other three occasions. I wasn't a pastor then. I was a teacher. And a, the first two times were a youth class. They were young people. The last time was an adult class, but it was still I wasn't as deep as I've been this time through. But even in those three readings and teaching through the book, I never really got that until this week. There is... A, a gold mine, good illustration, a gold mine of value in the Word of God. And if you just skim it and you read chapter 6, it's a little hard to follow. And we kind of skim over the stuff we don't understand. Then we get to the 23rd verse and we put an X out there and get on our highlighter and say, man, I like that one. I'll remember that one. I'll use that one. And never really get it into the context if you'll study it, the Word of God will change your life. If you'll stand with me, I, I know we're, we're coming to a close here, but the, the jeweler takes the diamond and holds it up to the light. And he, he cuts the diamond into these different faces they call facets and on the side of the diamond. And 
he take, makes it so that when he turns that diamond, it'll catch the light. And he looks through that diamond for any flaws in that diamond. And every time he turns it, what he sees is a little different. The grace of God and the word of God is like that. It's multifaceted. If you'll get into it, I can read the same passage tomorrow. Matter of fact, I preached from the same passage yesterday at a minister's banquet in section 9 that I preached in this pulpit, I don't know, a month and a half ago and preached an entirely different message to an entirely different audience, not even the same thought at all. If you'll get into the Word of God and really study it, every time you read it, it'll speak to you. Not that it'll speak something new as in divergent from what it said before, more that it'll speak something new as in more than what you saw before. If you just let it, the Word of God change your life. How many would agree with me, Brother McCall? This year, I'm going to make it. I'm going to have a Bible reading plan, and I'm going to put it first. I'm going to find the time. I got time for everything else. I mean, come on now. We got, and, and your smartphone makes it easy. My goodness, my phone reminds me every single morning. If you'll just make up your mind, I'm going to do it. I have the time to do it. It takes three and a half minutes to read one chapter out of the New Testament. You can, you can give three and a half minutes to the Word of God. Amen? Amen. If you do a Bible in a year, it takes about 15 minutes to read uh, the passages that are there for you to read every day. 15, 15 minutes. We're not so busy, we don't have 15 minutes. If you do the Bible in 90 days, I've done it. If you read the Bible in 90 days, get that program, pull it. Used to, you had to buy it, but now you can pull it up on your smartphone. It takes about an hour, sometimes an hour and 15 minutes to read the passages that it gives you for the Bible in 90 days. You can read the Bible. You've got time. We waste an hour and 30 minutes. Come on. Let's be honest. Amen. Let's put the Bible in its rightful place. David said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It shows me where I'm going. He also said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Amen. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus, right now? I'm asking, Lord, what you...